I also want to say this. The title of our lesson you can see this morning is Letting Go So That We Can Grow. And I was not intending to be a poet. That's just (laughs) the phrase that I wanted to use for this lesson. But as we get into this, I want to mention something about last week's lesson because last week's lesson was titled, do you remember Cameron? (laughs) We had a good chuckle out of it. Do you know any invisible people? (laughs) And so that lesson actually kind of goes along with this this lesson, kind of a follow-up. And in that particular lesson last week, what was the point of that message was, there are no invisible people. God sees everyone, and everyone is important, and everyone is valuable, and everyone is precious in His sight, and He would have us to see ourselves that way, and He would have us to see other people that way, and that's important. This week, though, we're going to talk about the fact that God desires for us to grow spiritually. Now, the reason why I mentioned last week's lesson and then mentioned this is because as a child of God, you are precious, you are valuable in His sight. There is no doubt about that. The Scriptures plainly teach that. But He is also going to allow you to suffer at times. And we might kind of look at that and go, oh, wait a minute, I thought I was your precious child. <laughs> But we have to understand the reasons for that. And not only will He allow you to suffer at times, there will be times He will call upon you to suffer. And we need to understand that. And we need to understand how that all kind of fits together. So the title of this lesson once again this week is Letting Go So That We Can Grow. I want to call your attention to a couple of passages as we get into this. Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Paul says. And then he also, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, which we read this morning for our scripture reading. He says that we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And then in Hebrews 6 and verse 1, the Hebrew writer says that we should lay aside those elementary teachings about Christ and we should press on to maturity. And in Ephesians 4 and verse 15, we are to grow up to the full stature of the measure of Jesus Christ. And in Romans 8 and verse 29, those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. So along the way, In our spiritual growth, He's going to ask us to offer up spiritual sacrifices, but always keeping in mind that He desires for us to grow and He desires for us to become like His Son. Now, before we get right into this, and I've got it up there and we'll be taking a look at this. In the book of Acts, what we're going to see is we're going to see examples of of God assisting in that spiritual growth. And then we're going to see some examples of God letting go, so to speak. And then we're going to try to tie that together so that we see that in the book of Acts, those examples 
Help us to understand what's going on. So before we get right to that, though, I want to give you this illustration. This week's illustration comes to you courtesy of Millie. (laughs) Millie didn't know she was going to be the illustration today, but she is. But actually, I'm using Millie, but we have a number of young children in this congregation. It's a blessing. It's great. Last week, getting here just a little bit early, Estuardo and Marie were already here, and they were in the back, and Millie was standing out in the aisle, and Marie was standing over here and kind of holding her hand. Now, back a couple of months ago, when we left here, Millie wasn't walking. Not to my knowledge, anyway. And, and so that's what could happen over a couple of months. And so Millie was standing there, Marie was holding on to her hand, and I said something to them about walking and so forth. And Marie turned loose of her hand. And then Estuardo encouraged Millie to come to him. And Millie, as usual, smiling, <laughs> took off. There, there she went. It's amazing. That's awesome. Marie holding her hand and then letting go. Millie, you can do it. And that's great. Now, Estuardo and Marie, I'm going to let you in on a little something here. You think that's cool? Millie's walking. (laughs) This is going to happen real fast, so I'm just telling you ahead of time. Next thing that's going to happen before you know it, Millie's going to be walking down that driveway. She's going to have her backpack on, and she's going to turn around at the bus and wave goodbye. And then the next thing you know, she's going to be coming home, walking off that bus, going to walk up to the house and say, can I have the car keys? And then shortly after that, she's going to be loading the trunk and heading off to college. And then it's semester break. Hopefully it's not first semester. But it's semester break. She's going to come home and she's going to say, I met somebody. And then she'll get married and she'll move off to Kentucky or something like happened with our son. And Marie will look at us and go, why did you ever teach her to walk? But that's what happens. And you want them to get to that point, don't you? You want them to grow. And you want them to mature. And you want them to be able to go out into the world on their own. So there's a growth process. It starts off, you're holding their hand. But at some point, you let go. That's much similar to what happens spiritually. And keep this in mind. God is going to move his plan forward. And he wants you to grow and to mature spiritually. Two things are happening simultaneously. God's plan is moving forward. And you become part of that plan and He wants you to grow and He wants you to mature. So that's what we're going to take a look at in the book of, uh, the book of Acts. And we'll look at these examples. God assisting holding your hand, our hand, 
God letting go. And you'll also see this in the book of Acts. There'll be some disputes (laughs) among God's people. Can you believe that? (laughs) But we'll also see the value of that. So Acts chapter 2, and I want to read verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. little background. John, the 16th chapter, just a few weeks before this, Jesus had promised the apostles that when he was gone, he was going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a couple of things that he told them about that. The Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to bring to your remembrance all that I have taught you, and he's going to guide you into all truth. Matthew, the 28th chapter. In the Great Commission, Jesus had told them, I want you to go into all nations and make disciples of them. And in Mark, the 16th chapter, he said, I want you to go and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what he wanted them to do. But in Acts, the first chapter, in about verse 8, Before he ascends, he says, First, I want you to go into the city and wait. And when you have received power from on high, then, then you shall be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and into the utmost parts of the world. But before all that happens... I want you to go to the city and wait because I'm going to hold your hand as we start this day. And you see that? So you're not totally ready yet to preach this gospel all on your own and to carry out this mission all on your own. So I've got to hold your hand for a little bit. And so I want you to go into the city and you'll receive power and then you'll start being my witnesses. And so God's going to hold their hand. As it starts to move forward. And so in Acts chapter 2. That's exactly what you see. You see the Spirit come on the day of Pentecost. And Peter. That's the words that are recorded there for us. Even though the other apostles spoke. He preaches the gospel for the first time. About a year or so earlier. Remember when Peter confessed Jesus? And Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Day of Pentecost. Peter took those keys. And he unlocked it. And the floodgates were opened. And the gospel came pouring out. As the Holy Spirit assisted them. Was holding their hand. As it got started. 
Now, Jesus had also told them that the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into all truth. Well, they didn't have all truth at that very moment. That truth is going to have to be revealed. Peter also, in the book of 2 Peter, speaking later, says that God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Now he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Paul, as he penned the second letter to Timothy, he said, All Scripture has been given by inspiration to God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God can be complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So you have the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. Jesus promising that they're going to be guided into all truth. And later Paul says, we've got it. We've got it. There was some 30 some years in there. And Jude will write that we should contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all time delivered unto the saints. But it started God holding their hand and then the truth being revealed and then receiving it. You know one of the truths that they had to come to understand? <laughs> they had to come to understand that this gospel that they now had was not just for the Jews. It was for everybody. Jesus had told them in Mark 16, go preach the gospel to every creature. He had told them in Matthew 28, go make disciples of all the nations. But somehow that just didn't quite sink in. <laughs> so he had to hold her hand again. And that's why we see in Acts the 10th chapter. As Peter goes to Cornelius into the house of a Gentile and he's still trying to figure out what's going on and the Holy Spirit then falls on them. And then Peter says in Acts chapter 10 about verse 34, Now I perceive of a truth that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that believes and works righteousness is acceptable to him. Now I understand this truth. <laughs> but God had to hold his hand. And he had to hold their hand. But you know what? After that, I'm going to let your hand go. Because now you know. And now you can take that gospel to everybody. I don't have to hold your hand anymore. You know that. You understand. Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul, great apostle that he was, initially, God had to hold his hand. <laughs> you are a chosen vessel. But Paul certainly, Saul certainly didn't understand that originally, did he? So on the road to Damascus, God has to intervene. And through a blinding light and a voice, asks him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And what does he say? Lord, what would you have me to do? And so he tells him, go and wait in the city. And it will be told you what you must do. And three days later, guess what? Ananias shows up with a message. And what's the message? 
You're a chosen vessel of the Lord. And now he understood it. And I want you to arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. And I'm going to send you away to the Jews and to the Gentiles. I've held your hand. Now it's time for you to go. Later, Paul will say in the book of Acts, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. In other words, I did what I was supposed to do. So here's, here's the thing I want us to understand initially. Because I think that's the easier part. That a lot of times we look at that and we can see God kind of holding their hand as the gospel begins to be preached and as the gospel is taught and people are becoming Christians. And we see how God through the Holy Spirit oftentimes intervenes and, and they begin to grasp the plan. But at the same time, he's working with them. And they should be growing spiritually also. You can start to see this plan. And you can see the way it's designed. And you should understand what I've got in mind for it. And you should understand what I've got in mind for you. Now, the part that we struggle with, I think, I think, you can agree, tell me later if you don't. It's that letting go part. Sometimes the child will be standing there, the parent will have a hold of them, they'll let go of their hand, and boom, they hit the ground. And then the kid will look up like, why'd you let go? I think we're like that sometimes. We understand the assisting part, because sometimes we have trouble with the letting go part. Especially... When there's challenges or difficulties, anything, we'll say to ourselves, where's God? Where's God? So let me give you a couple of illustrations from the book of Acts. This is not too long after the day of Pentecost. It's Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5, and it's Peter and John. The apostles remained in Jerusalem, but this is kind of focusing on Peter and John at this time. And they are continuing to proclaim Jesus Christ. And the religious leaders there are concerned about that because they are seeking, they said they are seeking to bring this man's blood, Jesus, they are seeking to bring his blood on our head. In other words, they're telling people it's our fault that he was crucified and we can't have that. So they're arrested. And then they're told, don't do this no more. But Peter and John's having none of that. And so they go back to preaching. Well, they hear about it, and people are being converted, and they decide, we got to do something. So they go and arrest them again. And in Acts chapter 5, they're really kind of wrestling with this whole thing. What are we going to do with these guys? And then there's this one man, remember Gamaliel? He goes, put these guys outside a minute. I need to talk to you. (laughs) And so he has a conversation with the council. And he said, look, it's happened before that there have been men rise up and start these followings and so forth. 
And, and oftentimes it just comes to nothing. So if that's what this is, don't be all that concerned because this thing may just fade out. But if it truly is of God and you do something to these men, you're going to find yourself fighting against God. So they decide, well, maybe that's pretty good advice. So this is what we'll do. They call them back in and they give them a good thorough beating. <laughs> they flog them. Warn them again, don't teach anymore. And they send them out the door. Let me ask you Where was God? couple of his apostles and they just got the tar beat out of them where's God Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7 it's Stephen the first Christian martyr and this is a good man because we could read that in Acts 6 and he's preaching Christ and they try to contend with him and they find out they really can't. And so he's drug outside of the city. And he is stoned to death. And you got to ask yourself, where's God? That's one of your children. Acts chapter 8. The persecution is getting worse in Jerusalem. And the disciples are scattered. Where's God? Here's an interesting one. Acts chapter 12. The apostle James is still there in Jerusalem. This movement has got the Jews all stirred up. And so Herod decides to put James to death by the sword. Where's God? When Herod sees that it pleased the Jews that James had been put to death, he goes after Peter and arrests him and throws him in jail. But an angel of the Lord comes at night and delivers Peter. Lord, what's the matter with James? You didn't like him? And Peter is delivered. You ever seen that happen? Why is it that this person, it seems like the Lord, but this person... Why, why is there so much trouble in their life? And I don't understand. And I could spend a lot of time right there, but I just bring that out for your consideration and I'm going to move on. Acts chapter 13, the first missionary journey begins. Paul and Barnabas set off. Remember how that goes? It has to go into the area of Galatia. And they are chased out of town after town. And at one point, Paul is even stoned and left for dead. And you want to say to yourself, you wanted the gospel to go into all the world. 
Where are you? And the second missionary journey? Didn't go much better, did it? <laughs> they no more get to Philippi, and what happens? They're arrested, thrown in jail, and before they're released, they're beaten, and then they finally leave Philippi. The third missionary journey? And then at the end of the third missionary journey? Paul has just gotten back to Jerusalem and he ends up getting arrested and then he's taken to Caesarea and he stays there, held there, imprisoned there two years until he finally makes an appeal to Caesar and they send him off to Rome and he's held for two more years, four years unjustly imprisoned and held. Where's God? Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, when he talks about through sufferings, distresses and hardships and beatings and imprisonments and labors and sleepless nights and hunger. And he went through all that. And you say, that's, what, that's one of your children. Where's God? So let me tell you this as we go along and then we'll kind of hit this a little more. One of these days, Millie's going to go off to school and all these other little kids. Caden's already there and Clara will go and Maya and Elvis. And you know what? As they go off into the world, not everybody's going to be nice to them. And how well how well they handle that will depend on how well they know who they are. Because it's going to come. And when those hard times come, you need to be reminded of who you are. That's why last week we talked about do you know any invisible people? Those are the people that are most susceptible to being hurt, to being crushed by the world. But those who know who they are, a child of God, those are the ones who stand the best chance of being able to stand against that kind of thing. So the book of Acts reveals times when God is holding our hand. The book of Acts reveals when he lets go. And then the book of Acts also reveals that there's disputes sometimes. Acts the 6th chapter. I'll just use a couple of these real quick. Acts the 6th chapter. You recall there? There is an issue that, is, that comes up because the Grecian widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Here's God's people 
Do you remember Acts chapter 2? You ought to go back and read this. At the close of Acts chapter 2, and on verse 47, we oftentimes quote, quote from, right? And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So here you've got this whole group of Christians, and immediately following that, they were all together, and they had all things in common. Remember that? Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> well, what happens by the time you get to Acts 6? <laughs> now, people are being overlooked. What? What? What's going on? <laughs> And isn't that what kind of happens sometimes? We're really excited about being Christians and being part of having fellowship with. And sometimes we kind of forget how precious that is. Take this in context, okay? There's some things we can be thankful for in regards to the coronavirus. I've had more one person tell me, and there's evidence here this morning... Brothers and sisters in Christ want to get together and worship the Lord, do they not? And isn't it a blessing that we can do that? But yet sometimes we forget. And so here they are and they're being overlooked. And so how is this going to be resolved? So that comes to the attention of the apostles and the apostles tell them this. You pick out, you the group, you pick out seven men of good report full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and you set them over this to see that this is taken care of. Here's the teaching. You make application. You can handle this. You can resolve this issue. Acts 15. They've already been shown that the Gentiles are included in the gospel. But yet now some saying, okay, you can be a Christian as long as you keep the law. <laughs> and so there's this dispute over binding circumcision and keeping the law. And, and finally, this has got to be resolved. And so here's Peter. Here's Paul. Here's Barnabas. Here's James, the Lord's brother, because it's not James the apostle, because he got put to death back in Acts 12. And there's the elders, and it says the apostles, and they all came together to discuss this matter. And just briefly, what takes place? Well, Peter says, well, you all know what happened to me and what, how I went to the Gentiles. And Paul says, Barnabas and I, we went to the Gentiles. And then James stands up and he quotes from the Old Testament, the book of Amos and the book of Isaiah, and he says, this has always been a part of God's plan. So you've been told, you've been commanded, you've been shown, you have an example, and it's from the Old Testament. You can make the correct inference. You can reach the conclusion God has taught you and now make the right conclusion and then make the right application. And that's what they do. I don't need to hold your hand anymore. You've got everything that is necessary. Now take it, make the right conclusion, and make the right application. And they did. And that's good. Now there's another example at the close of Acts 15. Maybe you've not really noticed this. I know you've noticed it, but maybe not stop. Sorry about it. After the Jerusalem Council, 
And most of the time we say that that took place about 49 or 50 A.D., okay? So Paul and Barnabas went on the first missionary journey. That's over with. They've gone up to Jerusalem, and now they're back in Antioch, and they're getting ready to head out on the second missionary journey. And how's that go between Paul and Barnabas? Do you recall? Well, Barnabas says, hey, let's take John Mark with us. And what does Paul say? Ain't happening. (laughs) And why not? He said, because we took him along with us on the first missionary journey. And when we got to Pamphylia, he turned around and left us. So I'm not taking him. Barnabas didn't take well to this, obviously. And so there's this dispute. And it's even recorded for us. This is no small dispute. They're arguing about this. And it gets to the point where it's like, you go your way, and I'm going to go mine. And it's like, fine. Okay, fine. (laughs) And Barnabas takes John Mark. And Paul chooses Silas, and he heads out. Let me ask you something. Was that a doctrinal issue? If it was, what was the doctrine? (laughs) This is a matter of opinion, isn't it? John Mark had turned away. Well, that's not good. But now he's back. And he wants to go. Can I have a second chance? And Barnabas says, sure. And Paul says, no. And this becomes so heated that they end up going their separate ways. I'm going to mention this and I'm going to come back to it in a minute. I want you to think about this. Spiritual growth is not always a straight line. And we need to keep that in mind. So now then, Why does God let go? Well, here's a couple of thoughts for consideration. 1 Peter 2 and verse 2, Peter writes, Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. He's talking about those who are babes in Christ. And then in Romans 8, Paul writes, Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son." To be like Jesus Christ. Well, let me tell you, there's a lot of spiritual travel between a babe in Christ and being a full-grown, mature Christian, isn't there? I'm just saying that's the journey. And I want you to think about this. See, oftentimes, and we've brought this up numerous times, that we talk about the big picture of the Bible, right? Right? But there's also a big picture to give consideration to when you talk about spiritual growth. There's the babe and there's the full grown. And in between, there's a lot that happens there. And so we have to kind of have that big picture in mind. And then we have to think about those individual parts. So why does God let go? Well, one of the parts is He lets go 
so that we can make choices. And see, sometimes you may choose to do right, and sometimes you may choose to do wrong. But God also wants us to know, Galatians 6, God's not mocked. You sow to the flesh, from the flesh you'll reap corruption. You sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit you'll reap eternal life. So you can have a choice. God gives you that choice. You are a free moral agent, but I want you to know there are consequences to choices. And when you make bad choices... Sometimes you will suffer for those bad choices. And not only will you suffer for those bad choices, there will be other people that may suffer for your bad choices. And sometimes you may make good choices and somebody else makes a bad choice and you still end up suffering. So Peter writes about that too. 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, about verses 15 and 16, he said, if any man suffers... Let him not suffer as a murderer or adulterer or an evildoer. In other words, suffering's going to come in life. Because it's like, you know, here's, here's the, what do they say, alert. <laughs> the world in which we live in, there's pain and there's suffering. It's the next life where there's no pain and there's no sorrow and there's no tears. In this life, there's pain. And what God wants you to understand is how to deal with that pain. And so he says, don't suffer as an evildoer. So you've got to stop and think about why am I suffering? And then he goes on to say in the very next verse, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, In other words, you're making the right choice, but you're still suffering. But in this name, glorify God. So in other words, stop and think about it. Why am I suffering? Well, I'm trying to, I'm doing what God wants me to do. That's right. And in that name, you can bring glory to God. But just know, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you won't suffer. You may still suffer. And God's giving you a choice, just like He give other people choices. And what I want you to do is I want you to make the right choice. And then when you make the right choice, even if you suffer, I've given you the information. I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. And so you can think, do I deserve this? Peter and John, you know what it said in Acts chapter 5, after they were thoroughly beaten? It said they went on their way rejoicing because they had been found worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. Hey, don't mind. I'm doing it for the right reason. So God, let's go. So you can make choices. And He lets go so that we can mature. Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 15. I'm letting go. You have the information that you need. Now make the application. That's how we grow. God gives us the information. He gives us the teaching. And now I'm letting go. See, that's just like when we leave home, right? 
You've been taught. Now I'm sending you out in the world. You may make some good choices. You may make some bad ones. But now it's time for you to go. You got to stand on your own. You got to make your own choices. And that's the way you'll grow. That's the way you'll mature. So God gives us everything necessary. And then he turns us loose. That's what happened in Acts 6. That's what happened in Acts 15. But now I want to come back to the end of Acts 15. Peter, or I mean Paul and Barnabas. I want you to think about this. This is about 49 or 50. They're getting ready to head off on the second missionary journey. Barnabas says, let's take John Mark with us. I know he turned back, but let's give him a second chance. Paul says, no, I'm not giving him a second chance. We're not taking him. Paul will write to Timothy, the second letter, in around 65 A.D. So about 15 years later, 15 years later, he's back in Rome. And this time he's not under house arrest. He's been imprisoned. And he's waiting because he's pretty confident it's not going to be long before they take my head. I'm going to die here. And so he writes to Timothy. And at the close of that letter, he's telling Timothy, come to me as soon as you can. Because Demas has left me and gone back to the world. That's pretty much all he says about it. He says he's gone back to Thessalonica. And he goes on to say after that, at my first defense, nobody stood with me. But you know what he says? He says, I pray that the Lord won't hold that against me. Does that sound a little different? And then, He says, I want you to come because the only one that's with me right now is Luke. And I want you I want you to pick up somebody and I want you to bring them with you because they're useful to me. Guess who? It's John Mark. What happened in that 15-year period to change Paul's mind? God also lets us go so that we can show grace. In the first letter, Paul talked about the kind of person that he had been previously. And he says... But I was shown mercy. I was shown grace. Do you think Paul now is like, maybe I should be a little more gracious? I want to throw something else out there for you to consider. Do you remember Barnabas? Do you remember when there was a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus that was converted and he tried to come back to Jerusalem? And what did the disciples think about that? We want nothing to do with this guy. Who was it that got him? 
and took him to the disciples. Barnabas. You know what the name Barnabas means? It means the son of encouragement. The son of consolation. Isn't it interesting that when John Mark needed a second chance, at first Paul wasn't willing to give it. But the son of encouragement was. You thankful for any people like that? I am. Because otherwise, I probably wouldn't be here today. Maybe some of you would be the same. So God lets go so that we can show grace. You were shown grace. Can you turn around and do the same? So I'm going to try and wrap this up. I know I'm running. Uh, letting go also deepens our faith. I, I, I'm a, there's some other things i got to say. I just want you to turn to Romans 5th chapter. And I, I, I'm going to have to uh, leave, it, leave it there. I'd like to go on. <coughs> but uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. That's what Paul says. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, But we also rejoice in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. You know what Paul just said? (laughs) He just talked to you about that spiritual growth process. And he said, we've been justified by faith. I came to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. I came to understand that He died for my sins. I come to understand how it is that I become a Christian. And I come to understand how it is that I now stand in His grace. This is the position that I now have. I am in God's grace because I understand that. And that's where I stand. And so He says... We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also rejoice in our tribulations. And in knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. (laughs) Justified by faith. Standing in His grace. I now suffer because of that. But you know what that helps? It helps to develop my character. And as my character is developed, endurance. And as I endure, I have hope. So here's the last point. How well Millie does... And Maya and Ellis and Clara and Caden and me and you 
Suffering comes in this life. But it's knowing who you are. And when you go out there in that world, two things to remember. Who you are and who you belong to. That makes a difference. Sometimes we say, where's God? (laughs) Well, he's right there. Sometimes he holds our hand, and then sometimes he has to let go so that we can grow. So I want to extend the invitation to all that are here today. And if we can in any way help you to make your relationship right with the Lord, and if you need to come to him, you let us know how we can help while together we stand and while we sing.